It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Just checking the news before I came in and it seems still no breakthrough in the nurses' dispute. The talks uh, have been ongoing for days. The Labour Court is deciding whether it will intervene or not. So it does look like, at the moment, three days this week, the services will be withdrawn. And I spoke passionately about it here on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I want to pick up on it again this afternoon. Let me read a quotation for you. Never has so much been done for so many by so few. I left a public sector permanent and pensionable job over 10 years ago as I could no longer have any hand, act or part in the fiasco that is the healthcare system. Those the words of my first guest this afternoon. She's a third generation nurse, her gran her ma'am and now herself and sisters as well uh, involved in the nursing. She's from County Meath. I'm delighted to welcome Gabrielle Cooney-Maguire to the show. Gabrielle, good to see you. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Now, that is just the start of an impassioned, uh, what would I say, uh, post you made, uh, very public about the nurses' dispute very recently. In the rest of it, I'm going to pick out other aspects of it. There is a passion and a fire in you that's unbelievable. Now, let me say from the beginning, you got out of the public service, as I said there, 10 years ago, and you're working in the private sector as a nurse now. Why are you so angry? Um, Jerry, a few different things happened to me during my career um, that stand out and really upset me. One was I brought a man back from theatre after major surgery brought him back to the ward at 5pm in the evening and the next time I clapped eyes on him was 10 o'clock in the evening because I was just too busy. There were other people that needed looking after. There were 12 post-ops, five of them were major. I just didn't have the time. And what upset me was that man could have bled to death. Anything could have happened to him. And I thought, I I can't do this. If that was my mother, my father, my brother, I wouldn't be happy with that level of care. Now, that's your experience before you quit the public uh, service, and and that's a decade ago at this stage. You move in the circle of nursing, you're well familiar with what's happening on the ground in the public service in Ireland at the moment. Has that not changed? Nothing has changed. It's got worse. Everything has got worse. Um, You know, 
Jerry, like the, the nurses are carrying the load of two or three nurses at a time. My sister works um, in an ED department and, you know, she could go in on a shift and have two agency staff with them. Now, the agency are brilliant and they're very willing, but when they're not um, locally employed within a certain hospital, they're not um, allowed to give maybe IVs, maybe do other certain procedures, which means the nurse in charge is carrying the department. You know, things are getting absolutely to breaking point and it's it's no longer safe. The trolley situation, you were telling me before I came on there, the numbers, what were they last year? How many trolley nights? At the end of November 2018, there had been 100,000 people on trolleys. And why is that? Is that down to the shortage of nurses? Absolutely. Absolutely, Jerry. I mean, there are beds, be under no illusion, there are the beds, but there aren't the nurses to staff the beds. Even though the government fire out the stats to say, oh, there's loads of nurses in the country. Jerry, there's always way to spin it. <laughs> lies and lies and statistics. You know. Just when you mention agency nurses there, I want to say something. I read uh, Gene Kerrigan in yesterday's Sunday Independent, as I do every Sunday, and I particularly enjoy him. But he was talking about the dispute and why... The, the the facts behind why really this has not been dealt with and attended to by government. And he was talking about agency staff and he was saying that the cost of agency nurses is huge and they are paid a premium on top of what a nurse in the public sector has been paid. So you can be working side by side Absolutely. with an agency nurse. With someone who's probably paid double what you're being paid, which makes absolutely no sense. So you could have two HSE nurses for the price of one agency nurse. And these agency nurses are in because of the shortage. shortage. It's a short term fix you're talking about there. Correct. Correct. It's a band-aid measure. Yeah, And he was making the point in the Sunday Independent that what about all the money that's been spent there? Why why are we spending that money? Absolutely. Well, I mean, Jerry, that's the million dollar question. Why are we spending that money? We need the nurses. We need we need staff, just simple as. Um, And they're willing to pay double rates, as I say, for agency staff. It just doesn't make sense. What do you make of the contention that, oh, there's too many of you, you're too big a group, this'll buckle the economy if we pay nurses? There's always a way to find money. There's always a way to find money. You know, you can skim from here, skim from there. As a mother of two children, you know, I worked my time in the HSC and at the end of my uh, week working, by the time I'd paid nursery, I had 10 euros left over for the week. That was it. But I had to keep my work going to keep my registration going. So what I'm trying to get at is money wasn't very flush when my children were a bit smaller. You make ends meet. You you know, you cut according to your cloth. You know, I don't believe for one minute that there is no money. And when you look at the children's hospital, don't oh, let me don't get me started on that even, again. Well, I mean, that's that's another thing, uh, Jerry. You know, let's forget about the overrun. For example, let's just say, right, we we can magic up this money, we can build the hospital. Where are you going to get the nurses to staff the beds? We haven't got enough for the beds we have. Where are you going to magic them from? You also talk about your time and your experiences in, in nursing. Um, you know, many cases you listed in this, and this is what caught my attention, you know, what you have to deal with. Um, you know, post-operative, you mentioned one there a, bit, a moment ago, but a young lad you talk about who had surgery, but unfortunately... The surgery didn't work out. That young young man, I'll never forget him, not as long as I live. He um, was a construction accident. He was 22 or 23. He came to us, blue lighted straight in up onto the table. And we worked tooth and nail for that young man. 
and unfortunately our best efforts just weren't enough. And to have to bring his mother and his sister in to see him was just so upsetting, so upsetting. And that's something, you know, I'll never forget the images of that. You talk about laying out a young man as well after a motorbike accident and having to deal. This is part of nursing, I suppose, that people don't see. No, New Year's Day. Meeting people, having to meet relatives in absolute crises in their lives. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and often, you know, even in, say, the ED department or in theatres or wherever, you come out from maybe doing CPR, from fighting tooth and nail. You've cried because we're all human. Um, You've cried but you have to pull yourself together, put the smile back on your face because someone is outside wondering why their mother hasn't been seen. What about the time at the petrol station? Do you, you do obviously recall that when you saved a life? I do. Um, I was actually at a GAA match in County Mayo. My husband is is from Mayo and uh, I was on a forecourt. I had agreed to meet them on the forecourt of uh, a petrol station opposite the grounds and I saw a bit of shenanigans going on over in one corner and when I looked I could see mouth to mouth so automatically it it just kicks in jump out of the car, went over and there was a lady giving mouth to mouth and I started chest compressions Um, but I have to say when I opened up this guy's shirt I could see he had previous cardiac surgery he was kind of bluey in the face Um, so there's a lack of oxygen there and you're wondering am I actually doing the right thing but it's instilled in you Give that second chance. Give that second chance. And, you know, we we worked away for quite a while until the ambulance arrived with the AED and he was brought off to hospital. And I made a number of phone calls and a week later I called and was able to speak to him. He was up sitting watching rugby. What a great story. Yeah. But it just yeah. shows you that never off thing. I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. You can attest to this. There's no eight to four or nine no, no. to five in no, this no, no, job. No. is there? 24-7, 365. You know, um, literally you can be called on. And of course, your neighbours then know that you're a nurse or whatever. So, of course, you get the call. Oh, such and such has fallen off the bed and he's an open head. What do you think? Do I need to have him looked at or whatever? You know, you're never off duty. You carry that into your life and the Mm. community as well. Mm. You finished off this passionate post by saying, I was worn out. My heart hurt. My heart broke and I left. I continue to nurse, but in a much safer private capability where I can give my patients the best care I can and the least that they deserve. Mm. You know, people are putting their their lives in our hands. They deserve the best that they can get. And Irish nurses are the best. We really are. You know, we're highly qualified, highly educated um, and we can give good care if there's enough of us. But you can't expect us to look after a huge caseload and give everybody the care they deserve. You've seen both sides of the equation. Um, and there's obviously a difference then. Where, huge. Where you're in working in that private capacity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm currently working. So um, I'm, I'm a flight medic at the moment. Um, I have a caseload of patients that, you know, nine days of the month I'm liaising with hospitals all around the world. It helps that you're able to speak a few languages um, or at least enough medical language. Um, but then when I'm actually patient contact, it's one on one. So it's very safe. 
mm. or as safe as it can be at 38,000 feet. Mm. Um, you mm. travel an awful lot. I know you were in Singapore, was it last week? I was week? in Singapore last week, yeah, picking up a patient. Okay, so you go all over the world and, and it's not just bringing patients to Ireland or is it or is Ireland your base or it, anywhere? It's mostly bringing patients back into Ireland, England, Scotland and Wales. Okay. Occasionally we do what we call takeaways. So I'll pick up at a hospital in Dublin and bring to Australia, wherever they need to go back to. Gabrielle Cooney Maguire is with me on Late Lunch. She spoke from the heart uh, on social media recently. I spotted it. She's with me on Late Lunch today talking about a nurse's lot and uh, the profession in general. Gabrielle, some of the comment coming to us, you might like to respond to these. Hi, Jerry. I can't understand why there are so many retired staff back working in hospitals and there is a hospital name there. Should these jobs not be filled by people starting off? I mean, ideally, Jerry, they should be filled by young people starting off. But the young people aren't here. They can't accept to start on a, a salary of 23,000, 24,000 a year, you know, when, when their colleagues who are qualifying with them, that they've lived with, that they've done their degrees with, are starting on seven or 8,000 more a year. Um, you know, they, they go off travelling as is their want and when they're young and they see that there's a better life. And in the name of God, why would they want to come home? There are a lot of Irish nurses abroad and I know they go out recruiting to yeah. these fairs and ever. Yeah. But is, it the, is the pay the big issue and conditions, a combination of both? It's, it's pay. It's not just about pay. Believe us, none of us went into nursing to make big bucks, that's for sure. Um, it's not the pay on its own. It's safe conditions. Like I said, every nurse wants to give the best care that they can possibly give to the patients the least that they deserve. And you cannot give that. When, when there's such a heavy caseload per nurse. John's been on to say the government's blaming the strike uh, for operations being cancelled, but they've been cancelled the whole time because of the lack of nurses. I agree fully with Gabrielle. The nurses shouldn't give in. They should keep striking until they get their demands. They should do what the French farmers do and bring the country to a standstill. Then, uh, I won't use that word, in government might listen, says John. Do you think there is a resolve to see this the whole way? I think certainly Philney Hay um, is, yeah, she, she's going to fight the fight. I think the government are doing their damnedest to divide and conquer. They will try and turn the public against the nurses, which is, you know, an awful shame. They've thrown us out to the wolves. Currently, we're coming back leading the pack. But, you know, while they keep spinning this, oh, the patients are suffering and, and lists are being cancelled. Lists are being cancelled every day of the week. Every day of the week. Regardless of the dispute happening. This happens Regard- all this the time. Is all the time. All the time. If you could pull up the figures, unfortunately I don't have any figures, but if you could pull up the figures, there's lists and, and surgeries and appointments being cancelled left, right and centre, beyond no illusion. Uh, it just it's exasperated by the uh, actually more being off uh, the wards and that and we know that at the moment do nurses want to be out is, they is do, this they do not want to be out they want to be in the hospital they want to be given the care they know what people are going through some nurses are patients themselves you know um they 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 absolutely do not want to be out on the picket absolutely not Derek has been on to say the government need to step in, Jerry, to sort this out. Uh, patients are suffering big time. If this dispute goes on, people will die. It's not fair to the nurses. They work hard enough. So come on, government. Mm. Get in there and sort it, she says there. That's a call from Deirdre. And so on, they're going at the moment. You said you went into this. Uh, uh, what year did you start nursing? Where did you begin? Locally, was it here? I started, unfortunately, Jerry. I had to go to the UK to train. 
Um, when I did my leave insert 300 years ago, nearly all my leave insert <laughs> year, <laughs> nearly all my leave insert year wanted to do nursing. Yeah, there was and a big demand on places, was wasn't huge. there? Yeah, it was huge. And at the time, there just wasn't a place. I did my leave insert in 1992, and unfortunately, a place didn't come up for me until 1996. Okay, and I went to the UK and trained in the UK. Um, I worked mostly in the operating theatres, various different departments, orthopaedics, trauma, emergency, maternity, you know, and I got a great grounding and saw an awful lot. But I wanted to come home. Mm. Like every Irish girl, I wanted to come home. And home you did. But you had a look at the other side. In fact, my own wife, and I've told them she is a midwife and she trained in the UK as well. Same situation over there and then came back here. Um, you carry a lot with you, don't you? When you when you experience those traumas and not being able to operate to the full of your ability and things really get you and you, you must feel totally frustrated that things don't improve or get better. Jerry, there's days I, I used to come home from the hospital and I would be, for want of a better description, like a her and a Honda, you know, so cross, so angry. My children wouldn't even need to ask me what was wrong. You'd just know I'd be uh, just so mad, so angry. Mm. You have the public and nurses in general. Certainly I saw Saturday. What a turnout. It was amazing. They can try and play it down any way they want. It was huge. And the public are on your side. Uh, I suppose the government, in a way, will look at those three days this week. You said it yourself a moment ago. Well, they'd be hoping maybe the the worm would turn Mm. here for them. Mm. I don't think it will, personally, to be honest with you. Uh, But anyway, Gerry, let me read this one. They're coming in thick and fast to us. The basic human rights of nurses are being breached on a daily basis. No meal breaks. They suffer physical abuse, verbal abuse, people full of drink in A&Es and drugs, idiots uh, in the doll. The idiots, he says, in the doll don't care. They are protected uh, everywhere, every time they go anywhere. They have protection and they're looked after. I'm just summarising there. We have great nurses and they do a fantastic job. It's beyond time that they were listened to and sorted out. That comes in from Jim this afternoon. Do you know, Jerry? I can hold my bladder for about seven or eight hours and that's pure 20-odd years training of not being able to go to the toilet. Because you wouldn't leave your station? You'd start at half seven in the morning and uh, the next time you'd get, you might get a cup of tea at 10 o'clock if you were really lucky, um, possibly just before doing a ward round. The next cup of tea would be half nine that night. And that's genuine. You, you that's just, no, that's the gospel actually, truth. That's the gospel truth. As you can see, looking at me, Jerry, the, the public can't see me, but looking at me, I'm no tiny thing. I'm a little bit wide, I'm a bit like an apple tree. But again, that's from years of no breakfast, no lunch. The first meal you eat is at half nine or ten o'clock at night. I think you've been hard on yourself. I think well, I know, know my apple trees and my garden as well. I think you look like a fine <laughs> apple tree. Very, very fine, may I say. But seriously, this is a, a mighty serious matter and one that needs addressing sooner rather than later. Oh, it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed for patient safety. Patient safety is huge. You cannot, I can't reiterate it enough, you cannot cripple the service the way it is and expect patients not to be, um, you know, losing out. Their appointments are being cancelled, their surgeries are being cancelled, they're waiting two, three years to have a hip done. It means that they're confined to, confined to barracks. As I wrote in my post, one lady, all she could manage was a trip up the aisle on a Sunday for a communion. That's no life. That's soul-destroying, Jerry. To see somebody waiting that long, maybe have their appointments cancelled four or five times, and all of it, all of it, is down to we have no nurses 
to man the beds. And it all comes back to pay and conditions and the environment you're going to be working in as well. You saw somebody else. Did you say that to me? Uh, did we say that in the conversation? Or was it off mic here about uh, somebody's daughter away to Australia, another uh, girl away? Yeah I, yeah, I read a post. and I suppose this is what kick-started my post on Saturday. I was reading through some of the comments about the nurses and the public support, which has been phenomenal, and I really hope it continues. But this lady wrote a, such a heartfelt post. She has three daughters. All three are nurses. Two of them are already in Australia and have been there for a number of years. And she was coming from the airport from dropping her third daughter. That's just absolutely heartbreaking. And those girls would stay here, would like to work in Ireland, would like not to have to emigrate to work. Of course. I mean, every young girl, I I was the same myself when I qualified. I dreamed about doing the travelling. 12 months travelling, of course, and that broadens your experience and makes you open to lots of different situations. But we all want to come home. We all want to come. We don't want to be the other side of the world. Here's a scenario. It's not going to happen at this stage. You've seen both sides of the equation, Mm -hmm. public and private. Mm -hmm. Had the public service been of decent pay and good conditions and that you saw that people were trying to rectify Mm -hmm. a wrong situation... Would you have been happy enough to stay there? I probably would, Jerry. I probably would. Um, I suspect I would have stayed longer than I did. However, um, I do love the job I have at the moment. Yeah. Mm. You know, I absolutely love it. But uh, but it obviously does show what's deep within you, that Mm. you come with this passion Mm. for somewhere that you haven't been for some time, but that you know what it's all about Mm. and you see what's happening at Mm. the moment. And I will go and pick it with the girls tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday. I'll be there. I just hope that something happens. Please that God. something, something happens. And I say it again, it needs to happen. Mm. We don't need this. Uh, there's too much going on. The fiasco of the Children's Hospital. Brexit's on the bloody mm. sideline as well. I say one thing. I bet you Fianna Fáil would have pulled down this government had Brexit mm. not been an ongoing mm. matter. The timing's a little bit difficult there. But I'd say they'd have been out of there and should have been out of there because of the hospital and all that's going yeah. on. But anyway, that's just a, a personal opinion. Gabrielle, thank you for joining me on the show today. Oh, we watch this space with interest. Hopefully there'll be news in the next few hours. That will be better. Fingers and crossed. Fingers crossed is right. Gabrielle Cooney-Maguire, thanks a million. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. What do you do if your child is attending a Catholic school and communion time comes round, which it is and will be over the coming weeks and months? If you're of no faith, if you're of a different faith, a different persuasion, whatever, and your children are as well. What happens? Where do they go? What do they do? And on the communion day when all their other friends have a big day to look forward to, there's a blank or the day is vacant. Well, our Louise has come across something different and new and it is something that is for children uh, of the ilk of what I've described just a moment ago there. Tony O'Donoghue is on the line and he's the man behind uh, little the Little Big Day project. Tony, afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks for taking my uh, call today. So no. l- let's just get a context on this first. Your son, Brandon, right, uh, yes. was attending a Catholic school, yes? 
Um, he's in a CNS school, so it's multi-denominational. Okay, so there's many denominations catered for there. Um, but communion is part of the school ethos each year, yes? Um, yes, well, now the communion, um, the children do it after school, but on the school premises. So um, if there's children in the class that are making their first communion, um, it's done outside the school hours, but on the school premises. Okay. Which is a little bit different to a lot of schools, which, well, Catholic schools, for example, where we done during the day and, uh, you know, not, not out of hours. So, so that is a bit different as well. Were you part of the Catholic Church, your family at any stage? Oh, yes. I mean, myself and my wife were um, baptised Catholic and we, we both did our own confirmations and communions as well, yeah. And obviously something happened that you're not now uh, following the faith. What happened? Um, basically, the revelations from Tume in uh, March 2017 was really the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, we just said, the donkey's back, I should say, that was it. We, we just said, worry, we can't in good conscience kind of continue. Okay, so you made a decision. It's not for us anymore. We are uh, de facto leaving the church. That's it, yeah. Were you married in the church? Uh, no, no. Um, we were married um, in a conservatory in a hotel. Okay. So, so a civil ceremony. Okay, it was a civil ceremony there. So so you have that background as well uh, yourself. Oh, yeah. Now, is Brandon your only child or do you, do you have others? Uh, we have two. We have Brandon and Kega. So Brandon's eight and Kega's five. Okay. The children themselves, do you tell the children this? Do you, do you say to them, look, we're, we're no longer part of this? No, well, to be honest with you, we, we didn't attend church as such anyway. Okay. You know, so, I mean, it, it was never really a thing. And um, to be honest with you, um, it, it wasn't part of our lives either. Okay. Know? And did Brandon ever bring it to your attention, even though it's out of hours in your school, that preparations were going on for communion or did he ever bring it up that he'd like to be part of it or what happened there? Oh no! It never came up. He, he kind of he knew that we um, he wasn't going to be making it. It was his own decision as well, and um, we kind of we just put it to ourselves. We said, well, maybe we can do something ourselves, you know. And then we asked him, would he, was it would it be something he liked? And he said yes. Okay, so what did you turn towards, really, or how did humanism come into it? Um, well, what happened was um, we were at a, a, our friend's wedding. And she, uh, she, they had a humanist celebrant perform the ceremony, and she was absolutely fantastic. She was brilliant. So I, I actually contacted her after the wedding then, and I just said to her, if we put something together ourselves, if we wrote her own ceremony and organised a venue, would she come and perform the ceremony for us? And that's exactly what happened last year. And really, Correct. this took off unbelievably positively and well, didn't it? It did. I mean, the feedback has it has been incredible. It's become so much more than we ever intended. You know, we like it was an issue for our son, and then we brought some other families from the school in and the surrounding area, and that we ended up with ten, uh, twelve children from ten families, and we had one hundred and forty guests on the day for the ceremony. And did you have it the same day as the Catholic communion ceremony? Oh no, no, no. Uh, what we did, uh, the local um, first communions are on a Saturday where we are. So we organised theirs for the Sunday and what this meant was uh, children that made their first communion could come to air after party and vice versa. The, the kids that took part in their ceremony could go to their friends for okay, communion after so parties. It's quite ecumenical really. <laughs> you know when oh, you, absolutely, when you yeah, think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's very, it was very, very, very um, easy going and formal, very up, upbeat and we certainly didn't, we, we had no intentions of clashing with anyone that was, uh, had other plans. So what format did the ceremony take? 
Okay, well, um, the ceremony itself and um, the central theme was we are all connected, and it, it basically celebrated the children's connections with their loved ones, with their wider kind of human family, and then with nature and all living things. So we planted a tree as well prior to the ceremony uh, locally. Uh, all, we got all the kids together and we planted an Irish oak. Okay. Nice. So there, was, there was a lot of elements to the ceremony. The ceremony itself was kind of the end of the process of getting the kids together, bringing the families together as well. Yeah. Okay. And no religious connotation to it whatsoever. The human. Oh, completely, completely non-religious. Yeah. Mm. Why did you feel the need to do it? Do you mind me asking you, Tony? Because look, communion is particular to the to the church. Why did you feel the need to put something on, something else, an alternative? Right. Well, I mean, within the Catholic Church, the um, the first communion is kind of it marks the age of reason, and all children kind of. Um, reach this milestone, whether they're uh, part of a faith or not. And it's around about seven or eight years of age. So, I mean, that was the milestone we were celebrating. But as well as that, uh, it's just there's a lot of pressure on kids. And, uh, you know, we didn't want our son feeling excluded or that he was missing out because of our decision to withdraw from the Catholic Church. So we said we'll put on something ourselves. And we'll write a unique ceremony, completely non-religious, and we'll, we'll give them a proper day of celebration ourselves. And then we had other families join us as well. And it looks like for 2019, this has even grown more legs. Yes, that's what we have. We have families on board already for the next ceremony in May. And we have a couple of places left, actually. <laughs> and um, it, it's gone. It's the feedback, like I said, has been absolutely incredible. We, you know, the goodwill that people are showing because, you know, they do feel like, some. you know, it's a different organ now and there really does need to be a kind of an alternative for families raising their children without religion. And tell me this, uh, is it just confined to children from the school that your son attends or did, were children from other schools involved in this? Oh, um, it was from, from other schools. So last time um, we had four families from our school and then we had families um, for, that weren't part of the school, but uh, most of the families would have been in the area. Okay. Uh, in, in the locality. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's, it's not specific. We would love to see it eventually grow to, you know, each locality kind of having one as an option for, for families, you know? Yeah. Um, so you feel that this is cracking the commu- communion conundrum, as you say? Uh, so, yes, solving the communion conundrum. In other words, what are we, you know, what are we going to do? We we want to celebrate our kids, but you know, um, they're not part of the Catholic faith. So you know, we can do a non-religious ceremony in our own right and a big day of celebration as well. It's interesting and it does show you the changing times here in Ireland and I just want to mention again it's Little Big Day Project and people can check that out yes it's uh, of course Jerry well actually on on Facebook uh, they can search it as My Little Big Day okay. and then we if, they, if they want to contact us they can contact us through the page or else they can go to littlebigdayproject at gmail.com Thank you so much for mentioning those I'm sure it will uh, certainly uh, prompt interest with our listeners on late lunch this afternoon it Mm -hmm. certainly is uh, a a sign of the times I wish you well with it and thank you for joining me to tell us about it on late lunch today very nice to speak to you Jerry thank you take care of yourself bye bye that's Tony O'Donoghue there uh, from the Little Big Day project. What do you think? Have you any views on it? Uh, Already uh, somebody saying to me Jerry there should be no religion 
taught in any school. What about that? No religion taught in any school. Have you thoughts on that? What do you think about that? If you're listening to us this afternoon, what do you think of this alternative to the uh, communion ceremony? I just wonder what it's like for children uh, within a Catholic school who don't partake in the communion and it's taught during school hours. That's a slightly different scenario, isn't it, to Tony's one that he spoke about there. Your thoughts, please. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. So you know the usual number to call in on... The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. I want to talk about Tesco for the next while. You know, by this stage on Late Lunch, I look after the shopping back from uh, back in HQ and uh, I'm, I, li- I like going shopping. I like doing the shopping every week and getting the bits and pieces I need and others need as well. And I would be termed a Tesco shopper, as you'd know, Louise. I've been quite loyal to them for a number of years. Mm, I thought you stopped going there. I did uh, for a last while. Year. I did for a while. I went really to Dunn's. Really love-hate relationship with Yeah, them. I went to Dunn's for a while because I was getting the tenner back. See, I fell out with Tesco and they stopped taking the vouchers from other stores. And then I went to Dunn's with me tenner for a while and... So that waned a bit. I sort of like Tesco. I know the layout of the store. And it's the big Tesco Extra uh, yeah. on the south side of Drogheda. And there's Tesco's we all over the North East, did you? <laughs> I'm not a man of me ward at all. Anyway, uh, habit is a, a, a thing and a hard thing to break as well. But look, uh, there are Tesco's all over the North East, in Dundalk, in Drogheda, Navin, there's little smaller Tesco locals, etc. But I have... A gripe with Tesco and a real gripe this last number of weeks. I went up yesterday and I went to the self-service. I had a, one of those little pull blue trolleys. You know, oh, the yeah, yeah. I love Jesus, them. everything was falling out of it. I should have got a push trolley. Anyway, that's another story. But I came around to the self-service, got onto one of the self-service tills. And on six occasions, I had to ask for assistance. Oh, no. Just wouldn't scan for you. Six times it wouldn't scan. And not alone that. I noticed with the tills up there that when you put something on it to scan it through, there is now a pregnant pause before it goes beep to say that it's accepted the scan. Oh. Oh, it's just painful. It's a pain in the neck. And I said it to the lady that was there yesterday and I felt sorry for her. She was like a blue arse fly running round from one to the other and onto a till. And I said, I'm going to complain about it tomorrow. And I am going to complain to the manager in Tesco, but I wanted to just mention it here today. And ask, has anybody else experienced that in Tesco? The the tills given jip, the self-service and having to call attention time after time. They're brutal. And Tesco are supposed to be leading the way and have the the best technology. They have the, those things. I tried that. You told me about with Sarah. Yeah, the self-service. The self-service thing. Things, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, we self-serviced round the shop a couple of weeks ago and then went up and we had to wait for just ages. Just hear beep <laughs> yeah, from had, everywhere around we, the shop. Yeah, yeah, we had to wait for ages to get through the hill. But anyway, but I'm back to the self-service ones in Tesco. They're brutal. They're absolutely brutal. And I'm saying to Tesco today on the airways, will you bloody well get your finger out and sort them out? Get your IT people in. Get them sorted. And cut out all these never-ending problems on them and the slowness 
Oh my God Almighty, they are so slow. They really, really are. Anybody else experience it? Uh, you're not a Tesco shopper, Louise. Oh, no, I do go. I do go there once, but you at least use, once every fortnight. Not for the main shop, yeah. but for little bits. You use the scanner thing. Is it the cell scanner? Well, do you know what? I was caught out with that because a couple of weeks ago I was in a rush. I had to go and collect a little one from gym, gymnastics class. So I went in only for a few things and I thought, oh, there looks to be a big queue and those self-service checkouts. So I said, I'll self-scan and sure I'm away in a hack. You know, I'll have everything all in the bags, mm. just run through. And then when I got to the uh, designated till for the self-service, my plan just went <laughs> completely into pieces because there was about five different trolleys ahead of me and they all had to take out bits from their bags. So yeah. I didn't save myself any time. Any time at all. And I thought yesterday, rather than going to the self-service, I'd have been better queuing up at a till nearly. You know That'd what I mean? And getting somebody to put me through with my lot of stuff rather than going to the self-service. And Jerry, those girls that man, man them really do get flack from... And oh, it's not their fault. It's not. I said it yesterday. I said it to them yesterday. I can't blame you, but I certainly blame management and Tesco uh, up the chain. They should have this. They know what's going on for ages. It's shocking. It really is. Get to it, Tesco. Anybody else experience the same? Having an old gripe on the late lunch this afternoon. Moan just for He's a on moment. He's soapbox. Uh, if, if, if you've experienced the same or anything to say about the self-service in Tesco or anywhere else for that matter, you might give us a shout. 086-1800-658 is uh, the WhatsApp or text number 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call into the show this afternoon. And don't forget our social media platforms. And I will remind you, if you want to get in touch with late lunch at lmfm.ie is our email address and if you have anything to say, a guest to recommend to us, a story, we always love to hear from you because remember, it's you that makes it here. It's your stories and we love when you get in touch with us so don't forget to do that. Back to Gabrielle getting loads of support. The support is for the nurses. I'm telling you, I don't care what anyone says and I know people are discommoded and there's clinics cancelled and everything like that but it has to come to a head at some stage. Hi, says Bernie. I'm right behind the nurses, Jerry. Nothing will shake my uh, support for them. Uh, they have to go out again this week. This must be sorted and will be uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Madeline Blake's been on to me from Navin. Thanks, Madeline. Thanks so much for the books, Jerry. Thanks for keeping them for me. Yes, Madeline won a book club gift packed a while ago and she's only picked them up. She'll look, we'll always mind them for you. Enjoy, enjoy the books. And we have book club coming on late lunch with Margaret Madden this Friday for the month of February and we'll have another lovely gift pack to give away. Now, Who's on the line with me here now? We have another guest coming up for us. Louise, who's with us now? It's Kieran Breslin from oh, Navin oh and he's looking for our help. OK, Kieran, Kieran, let's hear from him. Kieran, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for taking our call. Sherlock, our dead-eyed Dick Louise just spotted you just a few moments ago there. What happened to you yesterday, Kieran? Um, so basically, Jerry, I was I picked up a brand new bike Friday evening from the lads there in Spun Cycles and Trim. Um, was working all day Saturday, didn't get a chance to go out in it. And yesterday morning, I, without looking at the weather, I was too excited. I said to take out this brand new bike. Uh, I got about a hundred meters, twenty seconds from the house. Um, when I went to take a left turn, and the bike went right, and I went left. Um, straight off the bike. Uh, Ended up banging my head off the ground, off the tarmac. Um, looking back, I only got flashbacks a few hours later that I actually bounced twice. I ended up hitting my head off the curb. But as the male nurse said to me yesterday morning when he was stitching me up, that I was absolutely blessed. I was wearing a helmet in the first place. Um, wasn't wearing a helmet. I was looking at a head injury, a 
could have been a neck injury and then you're getting into the whole world of complications of spinal cord injuries. Um, so I was just, I was much relieved, I'd say, I suppose the lesson for everyone, mm. if they're going out on the bike, always, always wear a helmet. Um, I suppose the help I'm looking for, Jerry, is uh, a gentleman was out walking and witnessed me fall. Um, and he came, I remember when I was lying on the ground and I glanced up, I realised I was still conscious um, because I wasn't sure what the wallop I took in my head. Um, and I looked and he was kind of coming running for me and I was just, I remember thinking, geez, don't fall you as well, like there'll be two of us on the ground. Um, but he, my, my brand new bike ended up out in the middle of the road um, and before I knew it, before I could get back to my feet, like with initial shock and I got back to my feet and realised the gentleman was after running out into the middle of the road, grabbing my bike, pulling it over. I was after losing a water bottle as well when flying across the road. He had that um, he made sure I was okay. He kept asking me. I remember him asking me at the time, "Have you far to go, like to get home?" And he realised uh, I didn't know at the time that I was actually my eyebrow had split open. Um, Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And he told me I was bleeding quite badly down the side of my face, um... That's when I realised, and then I, I think he actually offered to bring me to A and E, even yeah. though he was walking. I don't know how we were going to get there, but I said, "No, no, I'm I'm hundred metres in the house." And he wanted to walk me up. I told him, "I think I told him no. I don't know, Jerry. Did I thank him enough? Yeah, it's why I'm I'm looking for him. Um, the only description I can give, he was he was smaller than me. I have I'd say about five foot six, five foot seven. I think he was wearing a grey jacket. He definitely, I remember him thinking, he's definitely from Nav, and he spoke with a real strong Nav and accent. Um, if that can rejig anybody's memory. Um, and tell us again, what time was it yesterday? What time of the day? It was quarter to about a quarter to nine yesterday morning. Okay. And the gentleman was walking in the direction from, say, a Winetown Road direction, heading for Avilance. Okay. At in, the corner of 
Yeah, I know, oh, I know what you're talking about there. So from the Winetown Road towards Abbeylands in Navin yesterday morning, round about 8.45, a quarter yeah. to nine. Is that ringing a bell with anybody listening today? Is the man himself listening? Does somebody know somebody who was out walking at that hour of the morning? Kieran is looking for him just to say thank you again. He was a real angel. He saved the bike, got the water bottle, checked that Kieran was okay as well. God, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Absolutely super. I suppose it was... Look, it was it's a lesson from from my point of view. Look, at not to be, be doing anything stupid and going out nice in future. But I suppose it restored me faith in humanity as well, Jerry. It was yeah, it was just brilliant. Like to to see the someone and he wasn't he was no spring chicken as they say. I suppose he was definitely yeah. in his fifties, sixties. But he he was brilliant. Like I couldn't I couldn't actually thank him enough. You know, yeah. I don't know like. It, God forbid, like a car came flying along there and mm. lost control or something and ran straight across the brand new bike. And oh, leave. Look, Kieran, don't even go thinking about that. Yeah, Thank God. Yeah, yeah, so That's in the past. From yeah. that You're talking to me today. You're uh, as good as you can be. I could see yesterday you were in shock. You were confused, etc. That man was there got the bike, got you back on your feet, you were able to make your way home and you're here to tell the tale. But we want to find out who that man was because this month and every month on Late Lunch, we're looking for an unsung hero. There's an unsung hero with a fantastic act of kindness yesterday. Who is he? Does it ring a bell? Anybody out there? 1850 715958. So the bike can be replaced, but a human life can't. And thank God, Kieran, you're well. Thank, thank you, you. Thank, thank you for million. joining me. Let's see if we can get that thanks. person and put you in touch with them. Thanks a million, Kieran. Cheers. Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you know that man, or 1850-715-958. Kieran does want to shake his hand again and say a big thank you to him. He was in confusion yesterday morning. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Thank you so much for all your messages, WhatsApp, text, etc. about Tesco. I ain't wrong about it. My frustration, I'm not frustrated alone, I have to say. Just one, and I'll come back to this a little later in the show. I'll read your comments, I promise you. Just wanted to uh, to read to you at the moment. Hi, Jerry. I had the same problem yesterday in Tesco. Uh, I, my belief is that they updated the software and the machines are too old for the software. So a software upgrade, leaving the hardware as it is. Could that be the reason... You better get new hardware, Tesco, as soon as you can. Not hardware for the hardware section. You know what I'm talking about, those scanning machines. My next guest is smiling. He's laughing. Maybe he's had difficulties as well. I'm delighted to welcome him back to Late Lunch because since he was here last, by God has this man forged a big reputation for himself with children all over Ireland. Kyle Riley, it's great to see you again. Oh, it's great to be back, Jerry. Thanks you were for laughing me. at the Tesco thing there. You were listening. Do you do the shopping, no? Absolutely. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's quite equal between my wife and I. But I, I can't tell you the amount of times frustration, self-scanning. And it always, the other thing is, like, there just never seems to be enough help anymore when you need to get help. And that, that's all we want, you mm. know, is a bit of help. Like, just make sure somebody's there to give us a hand when we need to. Kyle, you're so right. And, you know, it, it comes down, we are talking to the nurses earlier on, about the nurses' fear as well, the lack of bodies. This race for profitability, cutting down, saving, we're paying the price, aren't we, ultimately? Absolutely. Look, it's the personal touch that keeps us going back. 
we want the interaction. We also need the interaction. You know, part part of it is that to make the transaction happen smoothly, we need mm. a bit of help from their side. And uh, it's not about paying the cheapest and lowest all the time. It's about getting value and quality for what you're buying. I'm reassured that I'm not alone in my <laughs> not all, dear, in my not opinion or, or views on this. Anyway, it's great to see you again. My word, I'm not joking. This really has taken off for you since we spoke last, hasn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been quite unreal. Um, I, I I suppose when we spoke, I was just doing the classes. I was doing the work with the Percy French music, and uh, and that was great. A little sideline to it, but I really wanted to take my classes much bigger and get it around the country. And uh, I started booking a tour, and 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 I I just said, look, I'm going to put this show together. I rang a couple of theaters where I had some connections and said, is this something that could possibly go? And and from there, I went from uh, Donegal to Roscommon to 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 Longford and all over. So I've been I've been uh, I think in thus far 19 or 20 counties. Isn't <laughs> That's just brilliant. Yeah. And singing to children. Remind them again what you do. Right. So I write and sing songs for children, particularly under eights and uh, down to preschool age children. And what I do is a live performance. It's not just about putting the CD on and, and trying to have a boogie with them. Uh, it's about connecting with them, singing songs they respond to, getting them to move and uh, embrace the music. And then also when you do that, you see them develop. And especially I'm lucky. I get to see lots of the same children week in, week out and, and get to build on those experiences. And even with this touring. So I've been in Roscommon twice I've been in uh, Donegal a few times I've been been in uh, in Sligo a few times and you see these children even if I see them once a year they come back the next year and they've come on more and more and they're responding differently into new songs so it's a, it's a thrilling experience to have as well and that regular contact with children you can't overemphasize or state the importance of music and musicality in a child's life not at all i mean it, it does so many things i mean i think it comes down to the communication between parent and child it's one of our first ways that we communicate with our children is through song and singing humming simple tunes trying to get them to calm down that's all intonation that's that's early singing that that sense of bringing calmness is an early form of it and we need to keep building that and i, I think it's uh, it's going to be a challenge but a necessary one that in this world of technology and screen time and it's quite easy to to hand off that that we keep engaging in a live uh, intimate in in a, what I mean is in front of you personal way with music uh, particularly for children that's that's where you get the most brain development the most motor skills uh, all those boring scientific things but really important stuff I mean it's quality and that's how you get it you know I want you to sing for us, please. I can't wait. We we were going to play recordings and he has the guitar with him. So you couldn't waste that to have the man live here in studio with me. I listened to the songs you sent me and I have to congratulate you. They're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. Would you you do the zoo for me? I would. I'd love to do the zoo. Because children love to visit the zoo. It's part of everyone's childhood. Sure, my daughter Ashling on Sunday was like, can we go to the zoo today? And we're like, it's a bit late in the game for that, but uh, we'll get there soon, sweetheart. (laughs) But he played the song for her and she was thrilled with this. It It was next best in the weather we're having just at this time of the year. So this is The Zoo by Kyle Riley. Well it's a beautiful day and I don't know about you I'd love to see some animals that's head to the zoo. Hop in your car take the bus or train too. It don't matter how you do it just get to the zoo I went down to the zoo to see an animal or two and there's more than a few in the zoo for you to view. Yeah 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 Oh, the reptile house has snakes that slide and slither and crocodiles, turtles, lots of little lizards. Even got a dragon from the land of Komodo. It's a first up at the zoo and there's a lot of zoo to go. I went down to the zoo to see an animal or two and there's more than a few in the zoo for you to view. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
When the lion got his name, they made a bit of a bongo man. They called that cat the king of the jungle. Oh, he lives on the plains of Africa, you see, with the rhinos, giraffes, and the wildebeest. Went down to the zoo to see an animal or two, and there's more than a few in the zoo for you to view. Went down the zoo to see an animal or two, and there's more than a few in the zoo for you to view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're not just monkeys, I'm telling you true Look real close, they look a bit like you Oh, the great apes, orangutans, chimpanzees too They're all our cousins and they're swinging around the zoo I went down to the zoo to see an animal or two And there's more than a few in the zoo for you to view Yeah, 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 yeah We'll take a look all around you Cause the bird is the word From the ostrich to the eagle To the tiny hummingbird The flightless wonders And the pink flamingos And colorful parrots That'll speak your lingo Went down to the zoo To see an animal or two More than a few In the zoo for you to view Went down the zoo To see an animal or two And there's more than a few In the zoo for you to view Went down the zoo To see an animal or two And there's more than a few In the zoo for you to view Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah Oh, oh, oh have you seen the child and this ageing man just <laughs> jump out and come alive in this studio today? That's great, man. Fantastic. Thanks, I give you, you a round of applause. Brilliant, brilliant. I could only imagine how that connects with uh, yeah, the younger ones. It does. I mean, like, uh, like I like to think it's got enough groove in it that people want to dance to it. But it's it's being able to kind of describe the things. And you go to the zoo, and if you go to Dublin Zoo, you can nearly follow that song around and do a path through the whole thing and see all Well, those I was actually in the zoo with you while you were singing that song. <laughs> oh, I could just good. envisage all the different areas as well. Very clever, well put together, and brilliantly delivered on late lunch this afternoon. Short break. He's staying with us, Kyle Riley. Do you want to hear more from him? I do, of course. And we're going to talk more about music and children and by the way this man who's now living in County Meath is bringing it all back home to the solstice in March and we're going to tell you about that in a few moments The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park the nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk the wonderful Kyle Riley is with me on late lunch. God, you're putting me up for pillorying in here or setting me up, should I say. Jerry always knew there was a bit of a monkey in you, says a listener this afternoon. <laughs> I like it. I, thank you. I enjoyed that. So there has to be that in everybody, isn't it? Man, woman or child. I read an interview you did recently and something caught my attention because I sort of know it uh, through my granddaughter, Ava. The wheels on the bus. Well, Kyle, is that just a staple for children and where sort of musicality begins in a way for them. Absolutely. I, I, I think uh, it's one of the key building blocks uh, in the way children understand music and then use it. And, and although the song, you, you could fob it off as just, oh, it's one of the worst children's songs ever. It's not. <laughs> like it, it asks them to remember emotions. It asks them to sing and do motion at the same time. It asks them, asks them to remember a pattern because you're building up from wheels to wipers to lights to bells to doors to children jumping. And in my wah, version... Wah, wah, wah. Exactly. You know that one? The wah, wah, wah. Do you know what? I don't do that one. I have the bus driver <laughs> shout at the children then I have the mammies come to save the day and then the babies go to sleep. <laughs> do you ever get fed up doing it? Of course. I mean, like, I think I've probably sung that song thousands and thousands and thousands. I've probably sung that song more than just about any other song uh, in in the last six and a half years, seven years of doing this. Um, but it's important. I would never stop doing it. I think it's key. I think it's key because you, when you see a child own that song and the confidence come through, 
then they become more confident in how they communicate to their parents, how they communicate within the group, how they associate within the group, how they'll step forward and start proudly doing the wheels. And like they know it. And then that gives them the ability to move on to more challenging songs. You mentioned I'll Tell Me Ma. <laughs> Have you a verse of it there? I, I can do. Go on, do a verse of it. I'll tell me, Ma. Come on, oh, for all time's sake. Tell me, Ma, when I get home, the boys won't leave the girls alone. Hold my hair and storm my comb, but that's all right till I get home. She is handsome, she is pretty, she is the belle of Belfast City. She's a court in one, two, three, and a four. Won't you tell me who is she? Oh, thank you so much. I put him on the spot there. Like, oh, there's no no putting this fella on the spot. God, that'll bring back memories to people, you know, of, yeah. of, of an age and an era. Well, interestingly, like, no matter what, where I do that, it uh, it gets sung. Everybody sings with me, whether mm. whether whether I'm in Limerick or I'm in Belfast, yes. whether I'm in Donegal or down in Wexford. That song is a part of us. You know, it becomes part of a greater understanding. And it, whether you've sung it recently, I think because it was probably sung to us as children, uh, it enters this level of consciousness that's there. But I, I love it. I, I do it. I have a rota of songs that I do week in and week out. And that, that's one I do every two weeks within my classes. And it's just like a full on Kaylee. So those classes is really you singing to the children. Yeah. And then I introduce the percussive instruments at a certain point and some scarves, but it's just me and the kids uh, and their parents. Their parents yeah, are in the room yeah. because it's also key that like when they're really small, you, babies will respond in different ways than toddlers and older children will. And, and it's for the parent to go, ooh, wow, that song got my baby wanting to move. And then maybe at home they'll sing that song or they'll find a recording of mine and want to play that to them at home, whatever it is, to, to encourage the inclination to move. So what age do you take them from? Um, I, I would say as early as four or five months. And up to what? As old as you want. I was in Wexford. I had 14-year-olds joining in the fun. Like, uh, traditionally, I would say up to about eight years old. Yes. You get the most out of and it. And how do people find out more about you? How, have you the, opportunity the best, the best. for children to join you? Other oh, children? absolutely, yes. absolutely. Look, if you go to my Facebook page, Little Folk Music for Young Children, or my website, kylejamesreilly.com, Bo- both, you can get in touch with me both ways. Um, but the class is always open. There's no booking. They're all drop-in. I keep it flexible, easy for people and to And where do join. they happen? Uh, I'm kind of all over, but... Uh, I mean, Kells is probably the closest yes. to, to, to here, but I do Mullingar, I do Old Castle, and I do Caventon. Okay, so there's a plenty of a spread there if, if, if you'd like to find out more and, and get involved. Um, you're bringing, I want to mention this in particular, because you've been uh, trying for a while. This tour has happened, and he's been all over Ireland, as you hear, and received so well, and packed theatres as well. You've got the solstice at last. Thank God. I, I, I've, been, I've been wanting this, and I think it just needed, uh, I needed a little bit uh, more going on. I needed to build up, uh, and, uh, but once, once Belinda was on board, she, she runs it. She, she was uh, keen once I presented her with this idea of a family concert. And so I'll bring my two guitars, my electric and my acoustic, and I'll get the kids jumping and wiggling and stomping, and we'll have the crack for an hour. Um, but I'm thrilled to be bringing it close to home like it's 40 yes. minutes away from where I live yeah. like I, lo- I love that you know um, and I like being able to do it with some I know there'll be some people that come to my classes and I'll be able to bring new people in that haven't been able yeah. to come so so that's the 23rd of March very special day Kyle in the Solstice bringing it all back home check it out Solstice check out the Solstice Theatre call into them whatever you want and they'd be delighted to facilitate you with tickets for that day and get them because they'll sell out fast I'll tell you once they hear this play is coming there the other thing is Electric Picnic you 
you've been there. Yeah. Like besides your fantastic tour and work with children, the picnic body and soul as well. Yeah. What about those aspects that, to your music? That's that's a quite a different kind of experience to it. Uh, but but what's lovely about that is those dedicated spaces within Electric Picnic and Body and Soul that are just for families become a safe haven. So there's Soul Kids at Body and Soul, which is in the Walled Garden, and they have activities for children. And I, I've managed been able to play that uh, as well as Soul Kids at Electric Picnic and as well Little Picnic at Electric Picnic both both those things are areas dedicated to families and what you get are people that they want good quality music they want good quality entertainment and engagement um, yet it's in the scope of these huge festivals <laughs> that I otherwise would be overwhelmed about being at but uh, but it's been lovely and I generally do really nice intimate little gigs there for, for the families that are there What's the difference between children and adults in the way they engage with you or engage with music? Uh, I think once you you get a child on board, they'll stick with you as long as you properly engage them. You cannot fob off a child. If, if you think you can just uh, give them any old thing and not pay attention to them, you will lose them completely. And they're fairly unforgiving in that regard. Whereas an adult, because of our social... Uh, understanding of how social constructs work an adult will listen politely for a while and pay attention and smile and nod even if they don't feel it but if you do something that's not very good for children they'll they'll destroy you <laughs> there's no holding back and i love that about it they say it as it is will you finish out for us with, with another one now the tour has been fantastic you've written songs for the tour but the title song for the tour sing to me i think it sums it up doesn't it it does it does like i watched my children go through some tough times uh starting school or maybe being afraid of the dark um moments of not feeling brave and confident and i remember as a child my parents would sing to me and that gave me some confidence but i also remember times of joy and we we sing together uh and, and how important that is and that's where this song came from it came from both sides of that when you need support and also when you want to celebrate well let's finish today this little conversation that I really enjoyed your singing it, and the chat as well and to remind people the solstice March 23rd is the big day if you'd like to go along and see what this is all about your children will love it I promise you so it's Kyle Riley and we've he's given his details we have them here if you want to find out more sing to me Kyle thanks very much Jay. I'm growing up Not as small as I used to be And there's things that are easy for you But they're frightening to me Like this room full of people Or the walk up that hill to school Or the dark at the end of the day Makes me feel lonesome too Just take my hand Hold it tight Hold it dear Hold on to me softly, hold me near Sing to me when I'm hurting Sing to me when I'm lonely When you're trying to get my attention Sing to me Sing to me when I'm scared Sing to me when I'm tired When words aren't enough Sing to me, sing to me, sing to me Sing to me I'm trying hard now And there's so much to learn and do But I'm watching, I'm listening, I'm paying attention to you And I'll talk to these people 
Oh, I'll run up that hill to school And I won't be afraid of the dark I'll be brave like you Just take my hand, hold it tight Hold it dear Hold on to me softly Hold me near Sing to me when I've tried Sing to me when I'm brave When you're proud of the things that I've done Sing to me Sing to me when I'm happy Sing to me when I'm strong When words aren't enough Sing to me, sing to me, sing to me Sing to me Absolutely brilliant. And I have to read this before you go because we're getting lovely comments and tributes to you. But I want to read this one in particular from Roseanne. She says, Jerry, I'm so delighted to hear Kyle with you this afternoon. He's simply fantastic. You'd want to see this man in action. He is so interactive. He has an amazing ability as well to recall each child's name. I don't know how he does it, which is really special and super. He is fondly referred to by all the children he comes into context, uh, contact with as the Music Man. Oh, that's very I sweet. think we'll leave it at that for today. You've been listening to the Music Man on Late Launch Solstice, March 23rd. Kyle Riley, again, thanks a million. Thank you, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Really good to hear on the news there that the Labour Court has called both sides back in the nursing dispute. So fingers crossed we'll have some progress at last and these days can be averted. Now I know anyone who has appointments cancelled are in bother anyway because they're cancelled and that is the end of it for this coming week. But let's hope at last there's some serious engagement and that this dispute is resolved. Jerry, I shop in Tesco in West Street, Drogheda. I don't use the machines. I'd rather, rather much, I'd much rather talk to a human being. I don't use the bank machines in the bank either. Maybe we should send robots to do our shopping. Well, you know something, you may not be too far from the truth there. What's coming down the line? But I agree with you. I love the personal touch, Jerry. From another listener today, I totally agree with you over those self-service machines in supermarkets and other public places. In my opinion, you can be looked on as an upstart when you raise the issue and start up a row. I know, I know people take it personally, the people who are working there at times. But yesterday, the young lady I was speaking to said, look, this is a commonplace. This happens all the time. And I felt sorry for her running from Billy to Jack. I had six faults in one transaction on a self-service machine. Yes, Jerry, I use the self-service in Tesco. It is really slow. I complained about it. I also complained about the filthy trolleys. I complained twice to the manager and online again, and nothing was done. In my opinion, it's a waste of time, says Valerie in Drogheda. Well, Valerie, I'm raising it today, really, to raise awareness on this. And I hope Tesco are listening or somebody feeds it into Tesco. I'm going to complain myself to the manager in Tesco Extra in Drogheda as well about those machines and the way they are just frustrating for everybody and for his staff as well. Um, let me see. I have more here that have come to us by uh, WhatsApp. 
Um, another one about an earlier conversation we had about the alternative to First Communion. Hi, Jerry. what is the world coming to? There is an old saying, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. I think this should be the case here in Ireland. People coming here should respect our traditions uh, of First Communion and Confirmation. If you were from another sector or race and went somewhere else in the world, you would have to respect the, their ways and customs and the things that they do, uh, says Margaret and RD. Thanks for that comment. Eric says, I think Tesco's a great place to shop, Jerry. I'd be lost without it. I agree with you. I think it is. But come on, Eric. These self-service machines, let's get them sorted, be it software, hardware or what, and get them functioning properly and less of the blooming faults on them as well. Pat Hannerty, afternoon Pat has been on. He agrees with Jerry on the Tesco checkout issue. It would drive you mad. But in Dunn's stores in Southgate on the south side of, of Drogheda, they have the very same system. And Pat says, his wife says, it's far quicker to go through the ordinary checkouts. There you have it, you know. So the ordinary checkouts, Pat saying, and so on and so on, the comments go. So Louise, in general, most people feeling what I was feeling yesterday, yes? They're all checking out of checkouts. Yeah. <laughs> we were going back to the old way when we just go in and meet somebody, have a chat with them. What's the weather like? Do you like that yourself? To say hello to somebody and as you're packing the shopping and it's going through, have a little bit of a conversation. Oh yeah, and, and they all want to do that. They all engage with you, don't they? There's never mm. anybody that just grunts at you. But yeah. I, I think at the checkouts, when they're not working, it's doing the complete opposite to what supermarkets want. I mean, they want to put those checkouts in place to make things much faster and to maybe cut down on people manning the tills. But when they're not working, you just go back to the tills they and the have demand to is work. back on the tills. That's the bottom line. No good introducing technology, pushing people away from counters, same in banks to machines and everything. And they don't say, have a nice day? No, they don't. They don't. And that's that's a lovely touch, I have to say. Anyway, let's hope Mr Tesco is listening to us on late lunch this afternoon. Great wee story for you next. Well, it's the full circle, the completing of the circle in the story. Some time ago on late lunch, we spoke to the Murphy family from Dundalk. Little Zoe needed life-changing surgery and it could happen. But she'd have to go to the States and it would cost €100,000. Her mum and her sister are with me on the show next. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. I remember the day well. About five, six months ago and the Murphy family came in to me here in studio and they were telling me about their beautiful daughter, their youngest daughter, Zoe. They have four girls. Zoe is the youngest. And how she needed specialist care and specialist treatment, but it wasn't available here in Ireland to help her to walk. The States was the option. The target was €100,000. And today we're going to hear what's happened in the interim because Linda, mum, is back with me on the show. And one of the other girls is here as well, Brooke. She's the second oldest in the family is also here. Eamon was to be here and Zoe as well. But Linda, what's happened? They're, they're actually over the Lourdes. Zoe has an appointment today to see about the muscles in her mouth. Um, she dribbles severely, so we're working in our plan to see what we're going to do with that. So that's so their appointment has been slightly delayed in the hospital. Yeah. Understandable with all that's going on there at the moment. So Eamon's there with herself at the moment and you've popped down to us here for, for a chat. Well, 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 when we sat here those months ago, I did say to you and suggest it was a huge number, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was huge. Never in my wildest dreams did I think we'd be here five months later 
successfully. They have it, folks. They have the 100,000. They've gone over the 100,000 mark. And are you listening? In five months, you, I'd say, in your mind, were thinking, what, a year and a half, couple of years? We give ourselves 18 months. We were talking to other families who went through it and they warned us it will break you. Give 18 months, do it early and have plenty of time. Um, I was speaking to a woman from Cork who was only back from getting the SCR surgery in August and she more or less laughed and said, well, it took me 18 months in Cork. You'll never do it in Dundalk. You'll have to go nationwide. And so we started then with the plans of giving it 18 months and here we are five months later. And you have it. Yeah. Remind us, what does she live with? What does little Zoe have that needs so, correction? She's got spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. So um, her every muscle in her body is tight and she's got limited movement. She can't turn around. She can, she can sit up on her own, but she can't get into a sitting position. She has to be put into different positions. She can't transition into any sit sitting to stand or anything like that without help um, she can take a few steps with a walker if we walk along with her but not on her own um, she wakes up at night in pain she wakes up stuck and can't get turned around so we'd have to so it's, it's 24 hours um, so with the, the doctor from America his um, recommendations is out of this world you know it's it's the best options we've been given so hopefully We'll get over. We were given a date of February 2020, but now that we have the funds there, we're on a cancellation list. So they will give us two two months notice of a cancellation date and then we'll be off. And you'll be gone and bought about five or six weeks over there. Is that the plan? Yeah, five or six weeks. So a week in hospital, um, two days with an epidural in our back and then they'll get her out of bed on the third day. And then for four weeks afterwards, we're going to do intense physio to build her back up to even where she is now. We're fully aware that it's going to be such a hard job because when she wakes up from the surgery, she won't know her body without the spasticity that she's been living with since she was born. So it's going to be new. She's, she's going to be floppy. She's going to be extremely weak, which we're, we're prepared for. So the four weeks in America, that will build her up to hopefully where she is now. But then we come back. The scary part is coming back on our own and having to get private physiotherapy four or five times a week, every every week, to build her up stronger and stronger. If you don't do the physio afterwards, you're wasting your time. So, so the, the procedure is one aspect of it, the intensity over there in America, and then this continues and rolls on when you come back here. And this will correct the situation? It will remove the spasticity yeah, from her body. So um, that tightness, the hip dysplasia that she had, that was caused by tightness around her muscles, pulling her hip bones out of place. That would only continue if she had spasticity. So no one wants to live with spasticity. Um, here in Ireland, we're getting pushed back. We're told that um, she needs spasticity. When we take the spasticity away, she'll be too weak. That's what we're told. But we, we fully know, we understand but we understand that we will be able to build her up. Fantastic. Now, what age is she now? She's two and a half. She'll be three in June. Oh, my God. Yeah, now she's grown up and I'm just looking at a picture of her here smiling out at me here. She's a lovely Smile. little lady. Her sister is here, I mentioned today, with us, Brooke, who's 11, and she's in sixth class. And tell me again, remind me, where are you going next year when you move schools? Colosteries. Fantastic school. Now, listen, don't you be shy there. You're no shrinking violet at all. A little birdie tells me you're well used to performing on stage, yes? What have you been involved in? Tell me what you've done. Well, um, I was at a dance competition yesterday. Yeah? And um, I perform in stage schools. Brilliant. So no bother to you getting up in front of an audience, no? 
doesn't fuss you at all. Well, listen, no bother you today to talk into that mic to me. Tell me about Zoe. What's she like? Um, well, she's really good personality. She makes everyone laugh at home. And just say someone's in a bad mood, she always puts a smile on their face. And every time, just say I'm at home and I'm doing my homework, she goes, Brooke, let me do your homework. I help you. <laughs> you have those beautiful words, aren't they? Oh, your mum's getting a little emotional here now with you. They just really describe her, don't they? So she makes everybody happy. She doesn't let her situation leave her in bad form or anything. No? Always no. smiling? Yes. And wanting to help all of you as well. And Brooke comes to all her private physios. So not only is Brooke a big sister, but she's also a private physio at home. When they're playing, she's making Zoe stretch. She's doing physio that she's learned at the private physios. Good woman yourself. So you're a very important part of our life. And you will be uh, when she comes back from the States as well. How will you fare out? Like you have three three strapping young ones there yeah. along with Zoe to look after. Will you and Eamon just go or what's See, the plan? This is the big fear now. I think once the fundraising was the first hurdle, now the second hurdle is going over to America. If it's summertime, absolutely, I'll, I'll have, I couldn't go five weeks without them. You know, mm. we went four days, we took her over to intense physio in Wales for four days and it was the longest four days ever. So I can't imagine going without them. Um, so I'm hoping summertime because Brooke, as she said, she's starting secondary school in September. So yeah. it's going to be difficult then when it goes to secondary school to take yeah. her out of school and things. But listen, you're going to do what you have to do. Work it whatever way you have to. You people are resilient and you've shown this already. Come back to this remarkable, remarkable feat that's been attained. €100,000 raised in five months. How did you do it? It's unbelievable. Like the GoFundMe page was set up for us, um, but it was set up in August when my mum was very sick at the time and then she passed away. So I think I was on a cloud until September when I came out of the cloud and then I had determination because I needed my I needed to put my mind on something after that happened. So I suppose we just put our foot into it and the Murphy family got behind us and they raised over 20,000 alone just by donations and a quiz night that they'd done. And then the biggest single fundraiser we had was the Food McLaughlin Cup, which was very emotional. Um, it, it, it was bittersweet, but it was also a beauty. It's a lovely story. Um, yeah, because I want to remind listeners, Robert Foods McLaughlin mm-hmm. was a massive Dundalk fan. Mm-hmm. And in his memory, sadly... This game was organised. Yeah, so what the the boys used to always get together on the 23rd of December every year when uh, Robert was alive and they'd have a football match, just a Christmas thing, and then they'd go out and celebrate afterwards. So the year he died, they continued that on and they raised money for the Road Victims uh, Association. Now, they raised over €10,000 that year and it was a fresh time. You know, uh, Robert was only after passing on. So it was all fresh and there the town, everyone knew about it. So then we met the boys in December and they explained what they were doing and they wanted to do it in aid of Zoe. We met them and David Curran, um, the organiser who contacted us, told us he'd get us a thousand euro and not to be expecting the same as last year because it was so fresh. They set up a Facebook page and it got kept snowballing out and we were, me and Eamon sat at home, we were watching the, the, their Facebook page and just couldn't believe the prizes they were getting for the spot prizes, the donations, the support they were getting and the actual night of the um, of the cup when we all went back to uh, McGuinness's pub, 
they had told us at that stage they had got €16,000, which was a, a best Christmas present. It was on the 22nd of December. So we could, we, we could actually breathe a sigh of relief. You know, we knew it was there and took an awful weight off our shoulders. It was going to break stage. the back in the yeah. fundraising as such. And, and, and that fund has actually gone over 20000 ultimately, yeah, hasn't it? 20130 Well done to everybody. But I have to say, the people of Dundalk, the town, the football club, the football fans, society in general across have really all taken this to their heart yeah. and Zoe to their hearts, yeah. haven't they? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. I, like Everyone in Dundalk knows her. She's a little celebrity now. When the newspaper comes in, she flicks through it looking for a picture of her. <laughs> so, so I worry what's going to happen when it's over because she's expecting it every week now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know something. It is one of these great, great stories. Yeah. And, and, you know, you came on here, told us about it. It's been all the papers as well, the publicity you've got. And it really has worked out well for people, you know, to raise their awareness of this and, and get in behind you. So you're on the, just remind people again, you're on the uh, cancellation list for the United yeah. States. So that call could come really at any stage. Yeah, they it? give you yeah up two two months to 45 days notice. And then luckily enough now we're, me and him, we're both on our sabbatical year at work. So we both get four weeks unpaid. So we're ready to take that whenever, okay. whenever the time comes. So you comes. have that also. Yeah. Does she, is she aware? Does she know, know oh, this? She, said she's well clued in. Is she? Come on, big sister. She knows what's going on, does she? Um, yeah. Yeah, and she knows that she'll be going to America for this treatment and that as well. Would That's you like to go yourself if you could? Yeah, I would like it for the experience. Yes, and to be with her as well, because yeah. your mum was telling us there you play such a big part with her, and all the girls do as well. We have yeah. to mention them all. Uh, big sister is Kaylee Brooke. You're there in the middle, and Tegan as well, yeah. uh, along with Zoe. So Eamon's in the hospital at the moment with herself. They're doing <laughs> what they have to do. We wish them well up there. Oh, it's marvellous. You know, do your heart yeah. good. I have to say this to you. It really would to hear uh, a great story like this and the amount of money that was raised. Thank you to everybody. I'm sure you want to say that oh, yeah. again yeah, today. Yeah, no, honestly, thank, I, can't, I, can't, I don't know where to start and thank you doesn't seem a big enough word, but I do. I just want to... And it's, we're at the stage now we don't want to just take the money and run. It shouldn't be this hard. You know, the, the surgery is available in the UK. There is a referral process from Ireland, but it's it's wrong. You know, it's, it's not... Yes. It, it's not fair the way it is. It should be made more available here to children. There are more children who really? need it as well and we do know of another case or two locally as well yeah, another uh, one in that Dundalk have been raised. Yeah, yeah. So come on, it's another area of health that needs to be looked at, made more Maybe. available and not at the cost that you've had no, to, to get it's that money fair. together for. I understand what you're saying. Anyway, congratulations you to so you, much. to the Murphy family. Thank you for Thank joining you so me today on the show. Brooke and Mum uh, as well, Linda, and we wish you all well over the weeks and months ahead. Thank congratulations so to you all. Thank you. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon finishing on a high with a lovely story back tomorrow at half one Eddie's up next with The Drive The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park the nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk Hi this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.